Welcome to Lester the Nightfly. This is your host, PJ Ewing. This is part two of a two-part series featuring Rick Vessio, my fraternity brother, from the University of Michigan Alpha Tau Omega Beta Lambda chapter. And I just have to say, before we get into the interview and finish off our really fun talk, I have had so much incredible feedback over the past week from fraternity brothers, from old friends, from people that have just enjoyed the show. It's been overwhelming. It's been a ton of fun. And I just want to thank everybody who's been sending me texts and commenting on Facebook and getting all the emails. It's, it's been so much fun reconnecting with so many of you through these uh, episodes with Rick Vessio. It's just very gratifying. Let's just get back to it. Rick's got a lot more to say, believe it or not, on Lester the Nightfly. Let's continue the fun of world destruction and fear and duck and cover, the whole thing. 80s from Killing Joke. Another underrated song, a very underrated group, doesn't get much love at all. If you read the comments on this group on YouTube, it's fascinating because that's a consistent comic. What a great find. I love this song. I have not heard this song forever. This is one of those songs that during that era, it was really really high social commentary and the sounds and the lyrics the lyrics are not very involved but the repetitiveness of the lyrics and the delivery of the lyrics by the lead singer really make this song it's just dripping with fear and rage and 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 sarcasm and 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 criticism of the world and the way the world was being uh managed and ruled at the time it accomplished its purpose. The song did. The video, again, another video I highly recommend people watch. The video is is outstanding. The clips and the scenes in the video really, really explain the song better than I ever could. Again, when you listen to the song, the guitar in this song is so cool. And it's just repeated over and over again in the bass line. And when you would dance to this song, you would thrash to it you really felt like you were, you know, raging against the world. And I remember slam dancing to this song in the clubs many, many nights. And this song would come on and it would fill the dance floor and everybody would be slam dancing. When you were in at Michigan, were you mostly going to clubs in Ann Arbor or did you run to Detroit as well? Yeah, both because because the Detroit scene was much more authentic you really had a sense that what you were hearing was really raw and true. And the people that you were, you know, at the underground club with or at the bar with or everything, they were generally people who weren't in college. And, and if they were people who were in college, they were people who, you know, were working and going to school at the same time or going part-time and so these, the social commentary and the sense of isolation, the sense of being left behind, was much stronger 
in a lot of the bars and clubs in Detroit than you would find in the very ivory tower confines of Ann Arbor. Although so Ann Arbor had, yeah. although Ann Arbor had a, a huge towny element, there's no question about it. I think Ann Arbor is Ann Arbor and the University of Michigan is second. Ann Arbor has its own feel and in the city itself has its own culture and its own life outside of the university. And that's not always typical for a lot of college towns. And I don't even think it's really a college town. I think the university doesn't roll over and subsume the identity of Ann Arbor. I think a lot of college mm-hmm. towns that happens. That's not the case with Ann Arbor. But even then, going to a bar in Detroit, oh no, this song would come out of a bar in Detroit. It's a totally different vibe. Totally different. I went off to college. I went off to the Ivory Tower. I went to fill myself with history of art, history of music, business school. I, I went off to that ivory place where I could be in a learned environment, the Arcadia of, of education. And while I was in dreamland, truly, the last thing I would think of, unless it was the Smiths or something, would be to run to a barn in Detroit and hang out. You were living in the real world, even though you were a student. I, I find that really, we had very different paths, Rick, in terms of, because uh, I really was escaping to college to go and, and, you know, again, fill myself with all those things. And you were like, yeah, getting my education, but I, I'm a common man. I appreciate the common man. I want to know what's going on. I'm part of this generation. I'm not going to live at this university forever. Uh, I, the real world is beckoning. And uh, you had a, you, we have very different approaches to college. And I really admire yours because you recall the, the era, the time where you, you weren't a history, you were a psych major, weren't you? What was, what would you know? Political theory and, political theory. uh, and, and, and ethics analytic ethics. I started out, I started out pre-med, pre-med two years and, uh, went through all of the grueling, grueling meat grinder pre-med courses at the university of Michigan. And then worked as a paramedic and decided that it wasn't for me. Best decision I ever made. Hmm. Medicine's a fine career. It just wasn't the one for me. And then I went into political thought and down a double concentration in that along with analytic philosophy, primarily in ethics. I, I feel that you were, you're a little bit older than I am. You were playing the long game. You had a little bit of a vision of the future. You realized you weren't going to be in college forever, that there right. was another life that was beckoning and calling you and you're going to go find it. And I was, I always felt I was a, a year or two behind my peers. So always catching up socially, emotionally, maybe the last couple of years in, at the university, I was, I was finally sort of figured it out then only to sort of feel behind again. And once I got into the workforce, I kind of finally, finally, finally got my act together. But mm-hmm. I always felt that you know, everyone else had kind of had this, this stuff sorted out and I was still looking around and, you know, trying to see what, what, what end was up. We were, we were lost trying to introduce the song, the eighties by killing joke. I don't think we ever did. Did we? I think we should do that. The song eighties, the band killing joke, the year 1984, Rick Vessio. Thank you for this track. Let's take a listen. Yeah. Watch this video, folks. This video is outstanding. (laughs) It is. Ah, 
you may be listening right now to one of these bold and innovative radio stations. WHPW 97.3 FM in Harpswell, Maine. KYGT 103.9 and 102.7 FM, The Goat in Clear Creek, Colorado. So, moving from Killing Joke... Uh, uh, come, let let come, me talk what, about what, this what? next song. Oh, well, I want, but wait a I minute. Want Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Don't be so anxious. You, this one really makes me furious. I've got to be honest, because I, I, I have no idea where it came from. It's, it's from some vault that I've never heard of. It's full of red tennis shoes and people jumping around. It's 1986. I've never even heard of the band, the song. It's a cover. Like... What in God's name are you doing here, Rick? We had a nice list. Everything was going fine. And then you throw this, 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 this song. In, in so time. let me tell you why this song is on the list, because this song would absolutely knock the dance floor to all hell when it would come on. And it's because it's a cover. Now, I'm not a big fan of covers, and I'm especially not a big fan of people when they cover Prince, but this band what they did with this song is an absolute hell yeah you, don't you have, have to listen to, be to it prince if you want to dance you just have to get down with the age of chance you don't have to be beautiful rich handsome or strong you just have to use a different tempo and it's the tempo that made it so popular when you would hear it at a party I think it's an underrated classic from the era. I love it. It's it's a, if I want to say it's a guilty pleasure. This video for this song was way ahead of its time. This video could be a video that you would watch today on a modern group because the styles, the way that they punch it up with the graphics, the the red converse which are legend, uh, the the whole camera angles, the use of different camera lenses the cartoonish graphics that they use. It's just a lot of fun.
So we're moving on. Uh, <laughs> Total <cult>. change. <laughs> now, you know, when I heard this, the track is called She Sells Sanctuary by Cult. It's 1985. This is a huge sound, super tight, on the money, on the mark, very, very full. I can just imagine in a concert setting, this thing just filling your ears. Real drama, which is, by the way, a current throughout most of what we've heard so far. This is a song that's definitely a rocker song, but it isn't. It's a dance song. And this is a type of song that when this would come on, people would want to dance to it. And, but they wouldn't be dancing normally. They'd be dancing a very intense, you know, unique type of dancing. And there's a backstory to this song. It, when you listen to the very beginning of the song, which again, it's the introduction of the song is outstanding. They were influenced by the use of a violin bow by Led Zeppelin. And they were playing around with the pedals. And they were playing around with um, the song. And a lot of the unique sounds of this song came out of experimenting which wasn't 100% planned, you cannot put this on uh, and not turn it up to 11. In fact, mm. there are a lot of people who will turn it up to 11 so that their neighbors can appreciate it because they love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> and the energy is outstanding. Ian Asbury, you know, his, his whole look, his whole stage presence, he's channeling a lot of different rockers before him, but he's also channeling a proto-goth feel. But again, the theme of my mixtape here is energy, high energy songs that, that really, really have the, the, the capability of lifting your mood and making you dance in the kitchen when you're cooking or, or, or when you're doing work, you know, around the house, you know, and, and you put something like this on and you can't help but do your work faster and be more into it. And that's what almost all of these have in common. They're fun they're filled with a lot of energy. Some of it is rage. Some of it is drama. Some of it is happy energy. But they all have that central feel. And this is one of those songs you cannot sit down on the song. You, you have to get up. She Sells Sanctuary by Cult, 1985. Let's take a listen here from our friend Rick Vesio.
I marvel at this uh, conversation that we're having because we're talking about trends that are happening in society. This is not new. In the Renaissance, the music and the art reflected a certain sensibility, a certain approach to life. In the Baroque, you go through any era, music is one of those big drivers that reflects the tone, the, the feeling of the culture. I did a show three weeks ago with a guy named Cork Burroughs, and we were looking at the late 50s into the 60s, into the middle 60s, and what race was like in Alabama and how oh. music was the gateway for people to get out of their small worlds into the larger world. Sure, sure, And, and sure. you know, here we are 20 years later, uh, you know, 15 to 20 years later, describing the music that you've identified as setting the tone, reflecting the fears, the drama, the angst, the anxiety, all of the aspects of young life, which usually it reflects the, the, the youth and the, the worries that we all have and how we deal with those things. And each of these tracks is sort of telling a different version of the 80s. So that's the genius of your work, truly. If you, if you laid them all out in a circle, they would each almost have a different emotion, a different a commentary on what people were thinking during that four or five, six, seven year period. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of upheaval on campus. You know, it wasn't the '60s, but there was still a lot of upheaval, and there was a lot of things going on. Um, again, nuclear nuclear war, <laughs> the threat of nuclear war, and being absolutely just decimated as a society, really hung in the air. And you combine that with the social upheaval and the lack of jobs, the lack of opportunities, the changing and the jobs that were going away and never coming back and the change in society. It, it, was, a, it was a very scary time for people. There was a lot of change going on in the world. You know, I remember there being a die-in on State Street right in front of Angel Hall, my first term freshman year. And people went out in the middle of the street in front of Angel Hall, and they just laid in the middle of State Street and blocked the street and, and, and spilled blood all over the street to get people to notice that nuclear war was possible. Those were things that were going on on campus fairly regularly. And so this music really reflects that. Memory is kind. We don't always remember those things. But that was really, that was really a re reality. Apartheid was still very much a part of South African uh, you know, culture, you know, that was pretty much going on in South Africa at this time. And, you know, the, the disenfranchisement of South African uh, blacks, you know, uh, against the, the white government um, was a constant issue and something that we constantly adjust on campus. When we were at Michigan, there were the uh, black action movement strikes that you may not remember that occurred in 1986 and 1987, where the, you know, the black student groups uh, took over protested against a lot of racism and structural uh, and systematic uh, lack of opportunities on campus. But people don't remember those things. Aren't you glad we solved the race thing finally? And yeah, we did. We, we sure did a good job on that. Yeah, we? Just, we pat, just patting ourselves on the yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 we don't even think about it anymore. It's all <laughs> anyways. Yeah, I was I, it's it's fascinating because um, we we don't we don't always think about the 80s as being so politically and socially in upheaval mm. but it really was there was a lot going on yeah even in a song that on the surface looks so fun and lighthearted, hit that perfect beat boy by bronski beat <laughs> Gosh, what what could be political there i mean just boom boom let's have some fun go to the club 
However, the video opens with a letter to Brezhnev on the marquee. Uh, it's U.S. versus Russia yet again. Uh, great track. Uh, are you thinking the same thing with the, the others about the, the, the anxiety this is, with this one? It's a little bit different with this. So this Brodsky beat before 1985, Jimmy Somerville um, was the singer. And they came out with uh, Small Town Boy, which is a gay anthem, uh, and, along with Why. And then Jimmy Somerville left and he's formed a group called the Communards, which we're going to talk about later. Mm -hmm. And Bronsky beat, uh, John Foster became the vocalist for them. And this song was really their biggest hit. And it's because it's over, it's really over 128 beats per minute. And you, this song just from the very, you know, first time I heard this and I remember vividly, I heard this in Nectarine Ballroom, mm -hmm. um, and the very first time I heard this, I was absolutely just stunned. I was like, what is this I just heard?
See, told, told you so. Everybody can, everybody can, can get back in their car. All of you all have pulled off in the side of the highways. We're out dancing in the, uh, right. And, and the shoulder of the road on. because you couldn't help yourself. You can get back in your car now. Mm-hmm. It is that, it is that type of song. It's that kind of song. Or you just got a ticket because you were speeding. So sorry about <laughs> that. <laughs> well, Unless the cop is from the 80s, then he'd appreciate your taste in music. <laughs> That's exactly right. Let's do How to Be a Zillionaire, Nickel and Dime Remix, ABC. It's 1985. ABC, tons of amazing songs. You picked yeah. this one. This remix. And the reason I picked this and the next song is because these songs were made to be remixed. These are songs that... The singles were great, but they were really made to be remixed. And ABC came out with How to Be a Millionaire. Um, and the beginning of that song is just so cool. It's such a cool beginning. Uh, and they did this remix, which is the nickel and dime remix uh, called How to Be a Zillionaire with a Z. And this was an immediate hit, bigger than the single at the clubs and the parties. And it goes on a little long. It's about a six minute long remix. But it's outstanding and it captures a lot of the 80s angst again. It captures a lot. It's a, it's a, it, ABC had a lot of social commentary. They were a fun band, a lot of fun. But this song and a lot of this album specifically actually is a high commentary. Um, Tower of London, I think, is on this album too. Um, there's a couple of songs on this album that are very, very high social commentary uh about you know the conservative government in britain uh you know the reagan administration in the united states uh capitalism run amok people being left behind overindulgence of people the idea of the more is maximum culture you know that there was never enough is a very very uh fun song that has a really brutal message and I, and I, that's why I, the first time I heard this, uh, I loved it uh, because it was everything to me. It was fun. It was danceable and it was high satire. You know, it was really, really making, making the point that there was a, uh, the pendulum had swung too far and that we're, we're our society's values of monetary value over everything else was out of, out of whack. Are you familiar with the Shakespearean character Puck? Oh, yeah. There was a magazine in New York called Puck 100 years ago, longer. And there's a Puck building on Houston Street right near Broadway. And there's a statue, a little golden cherubic Puck with a mirror facing us as we look up. That was where the publication was in the Puck building. And this is a little bit of that's really cool so there's a mirror oh that yeah you look up and you see yourself right because he's showing you yourself that was the whole nature of this this old publication that was a very successful for a long time then it you know died and this is the you are the puck of 80s music because we're showing us ourselves through the songs that you've selected really and you know you're you're dissecting uh a time and a place that you know so well. Well, it's, these it's very careful selections. It's great. Yeah, it's interesting, PJ. There were a lot of fun songs in the '80s that were great to listen to and enjoy, and but they were high social commentary and satire, and they were highly critical. Um, but they had a great beat, and they were easy to dance to. And <laughs> so, a lot right. of times, people didn't even realize <laughs> what the song's message was. Right. And ABC, ABC was brilliant right. at doing this. ABC did this really well. 
Let's listen to How to Be a Zillionaire, Nickel and Dime Remix, ABC, here on Lester the Night.
can't afford it. We'll be back to Rick and the 1980s and social commentary right after this. Lester the Nightfly is proudly produced in partnership with WPVM, 103.7 FM in Asheville, North Carolina, the voice of Asheville. I have loved the B-52s all my life, yet, my dear friend, I feel that I've been trying to, just like you two, I've been trying to catch up with them the whole time. I didn't quite get the albums as they came out. Bouncing Off the Satellites was a great record. I I still want to go back and listen to their catalog now because I really love them. I love their sensibility. I love Fred and Kate, and I, I, I admire their ethos and and the things that they they sound like and they're fun and i just they're one of my favorites but i never quite captured the b-52s like a, a lot of fans who just were a couple three years before me and heard the songs as they came out and embraced them as the new records were released it was sort of after the fact for me i know all kinds of cuts from this record i don't i didn't listen to this song summer of love you do though and you brought it to us and you you got a party mix tell us about about summer of love and the b52s this is one of the ultimate summer songs we're going to play the single version of this song but the remix which we're going to put on the website is better so do yourself a favor and listen to the remix which we're going to put on the blog this song is happy fun most people think rock lobster planet claire love shack rome this song was really overlooked and it, it's so fun and one of the most iconic lyrics of the b-52s and you can ask anybody who's a b-52 stand and all you have to say to them is orange popsicles and lemonade and they will go nuts because mm. that lyric that lyric in this song is delivered so perfectly and you can listen to all of these tracks and look at the videos that Rick has chosen for us at lesterthenightfly.com this is summer of love the b52s originally from 1986 let's let it roll
there's a song I don't know if you've ever. It's a small track um, off the beaten path. It's called "Dirty Back Road." Okay. Ring a bell at all? Dirty uh, no. Back Road. It's it's a, it's a little song that goes nowhere, and it just feet on the uh, foot on the pedal, feet in the air, hand in, in my hair, wind in my hair. Don't look back. Don't look behind you. Dirty back road. It just it's like. A, driving down an old road that's it there's nothing else that happens and it is the Fun. sweetest little moment the rhythms are great the, the melody's lovely they're not trying to go crazy just just a little thing and it goes away totally one of my favorites it, it's not characteristic of them because they're shouty and loud and fun and hilarious and goofy and awesome in so many ways and pink and purple and lime green they're just they're just full of everything i, I love them so much So we are going to make some people mad here with your last track because those Teddy Pendergrass fans are going to be fuming. And then the Thelma Houston people, there are lots of them out there, by the way, knives and pitchforks. They're out there and they're going to be mad because you chose the communards version of Don't Leave Me This Way. What about Teddy? What about Thelma? Rick, what, what answers do you have for these poor people? <laughs> I make no apologies None. for this song. No? Really? No, I mean, you know, I mean, the Thelma Houston version is disco. Amazing. Gold. It's, it is, she's a queen. And, and putting this version by the Communards featuring uh, Jimmy Somerville, previously with Bronsky B, and along with Sarah Jane Morris from Republic, is that this song becomes a, a huge, huge hit because the song has the tempo increase, number one. Yeah. Jimmy Somerville's vocals mesh so unbelievably well with uh, Sarah Jane Morris's vocals. Uh, and it has an energy that's beyond, you know, uh, most most songs of that era. It, 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 there's no way you would say this is better than the Thelma Houston version of the Teddy Pendergrass Blue Notes version. It is not disco. It is clearly alternative dance. This also became a huge gay anthem, just like Thelma Houston's version was a huge anthem for the hiv and aids community hmm. uh during the disco era the video is about the oppression of the gay community in uh in england and the rules and regulations against uh same-sex you know relationships and how that was straight out and so it's really a it is really an anthem it's 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 an anthem but it's repurposed for the gay community i'm not a big fan of covers but the two covers i chose I think believe to be on this list uh, because I think they both have unique places um, because of the way they took a song with a different style 
and made it more consistent with the musical style that was really becoming popular at the time. Don't Leave Me This Way, The Communards, featuring Sarah Jane Morris, 1986. From Rick Vessio, let's listen to this one.
It's a delight to hear your voice. And I mean that it's really fun to hear after all these years, 35 years go by and we can discuss those, those years very differently with the music being the lens through which we look at the, that time. And I just, this is really a beautiful time. I'm, I'm really, I've really enjoyed the whole thing. I'm wondering though, as we get right to the end, if you have any sense that you'd like to make of your collection. The young people who are up and coming in the music industry, I think they're reflecting the challenges of their times. In the 80s, they clearly did that. Um, and I think they're doing that today. And I'm hearing a lot of that in a lot of the music that's coming out right now. Um, and I think the idea of uh, what we're struggling with then in terms of people feeling left behind, whole parts of the culture feeling their jobs have been eliminated, you know, the sense of, you know, being crushed by other parts of the world and fearing other countries and America uh, being, uh, being challenged on so many fronts. I think that permeates our society today very similarly in the same way that it did in the eighties. And I think this, this decade we're moving into is, is probably more similar to the eighties in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, and the way that we're going to meet those challenges though, I think are going to be very different than the way we met the challenges uh, that we confronted in the eighties. Thank you for being my guest on Lester, the Nightfly. Uh, maybe we'll go do this again sometime. That would be fun. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and inviting me to do this. This is a riot. I mean, the thing I enjoyed most is getting to reminisce with you yeah. about all these songs and share all of this music with you again. I miss those late night <laughs> jam sessions in the triple suite and talking about music and you insisting that the background vocals are better at OMD rather than on, <laughs> that's right. That's rather, right. <laughs> rather than on uh, Screedy Politi. So uh, I, I, I would, I, I would love to love to do it again if we had the chance, but again, thanks so much for giving that to you. I hope your listeners enjoy the, the music. I love to share music with people and I, I hope they enjoy the videos that we're going to put on the site as well. Awesome. Thank you again, man. All right, buddy. My pleasure. This has been a PJ DJ production.